Welcome to episode two of Your Radical Being. This is Fiona Renee. And Summer Porlacani. And uh, we're here to jam out some really intense topics. But before we start, I just want to wish our best friend, we mentioned him in the last episode, Austin Roush, a very happy 31st birthday. Now, topic of the day, mental health. (laughs) Maybe our lack of. (laughs) Uh, We originally planned on talking about something else, but... Considering my mental health today, I suggested going from death to 2020 to uh, shit's still fucked up in 2021 and how do we manage it? (laughs) Well, how's your day, Summer? (laughs) You know, for having a a really rough day, you look great. Well, thanks. Whenever I feel terrible, I like to look amazing. (laughs) Don't we all? Yes. So if I look like a total slob, that means I'm having uh, a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's my natural state is like yoga pants, PJs, onesies. I'm sure one day I'll wear a onesie on here. You know, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm kind of just, when I look like shit, I feel like shit. And when I look great, I'm usually in a great mood. (laughs) I try when I care and I don't try when I don't. But it seems like 2021 has kind of been chaos over the past three days for everyone. I've had a couple of friends call me crying, a few friends spiraling out. Um, another friend who they decided they were going to turn off their phone today. Did they tell anyone they were doing that? <laughs> well, they told me, but okay, uh, they, didn't, they didn't tell their agent. They didn't get one audition all of last year. And then the day they decided to turn off their phone and have a moment to themselves, uh, the audition came in. <laughs> 2021, I'm telling you. <laughs> and you know, on the last episode, we talked about getting out of 2020 where I got sober. And mm-hmm. in my sobriety, I saw a psychiatrist who said I had a depressive disorder and you know I've always known that my mental health has been very sensitive but to actually tell someone that you have a diagnosis of something and try and be prescribed things given treatments for this mental health illness you know it really feels like and they tell you this in sobriety as well you have a disease yeah like diabetes you got to manage it just like you would your insulin yes I always compare everything to diabetes as well. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like, I think most people understand that like you need something in order to feel better. And like, you know, anytime I use the, if you broke your leg, would you just tell your, your body to like get over it or just get out of bed or walk, walk it off, you know, but like that just doesn't bring the same kind of yeah. understanding. I think for folks who just like, don't get it. Well, it's healing and it's maintenance yeah. for healing. Yeah. So diabetes is the one I use the most for my comparison with my narcolepsy diagnosis, but the broken arm and a cast is what why I use for mental health. Why don't you tell the listeners all of the diagnoses <laughs> that you feel comfortable oh. sharing? Oh you man. Got a, you got a handful. I made a list because I just <laughs> talked to an insurance consultant and they were like, write down everything that you need to be mindful of. And I was like, oh, okay. My, Here we go, listeners. My list. Let's see. I have asthma, anxiety, uh, chronic allergies, migraines, chronic pain, which is in my spine, back, neck, shoulders, hands, basically all over. I've had depression, but I think that was mostly just undiagnosed narcolepsy, which I have type one of. I have herpes and HPV, type 59 with the precancerous cells in the past. Uh, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, which is my kryptonite today. Pre-glaucoma suspect, Raynaud's uh, phenomenon, if I'm saying that correctly, and rheumatoid arthritis. But you no longer have fibroids. 
Uh, no, I actually have one right now oh, that I'm aware man. of. <laughs> because a couple years yeah. ago, she yeah. had her fibroids removed and she sent me a picture and I lost my mind. Oh, um, it was like aliens in my body. <laughs> they yeah. were gnarly as fuck. And that's what this <laughs> list sounds like, is a list of aliens living in your body that you're having to maintain and care for and heal on the regular. Oh, um, yeah. Which is Burp, exhausting. Burp, feed. <laughs> like, yeah, just straight up nurse. Yeah. And would you say that other people are as patient, forgiving, and caring as you try to be to yourself with these diagnoses and illnesses? I think as a whole, our country is lacking that, which is part of the problem. Like this whole hustle culture of like rise and grind, you know, like uh, working to live versus living to work like that. Michael Moore's documentary said something about that. Like Europeans work to live, Americans live to work. Um, Our worth is based on our productivity. So I think that's that's a whole thing that our country could be better on. It took me until I was 30 to finally get that message for myself. And it was like you talked about last time is after I hit rock bottom <laughs> that I was like, oh, I should think about whether or not do I love myself? Have I even asked myself this question before? I'm a therapist. Like what's happening? <laughs> um, it was in 2017 that I was just like, ooh, let's talk about this self-love for myself. Empathy is so necessary um, nowadays. And I mean, ever not just having empathy for others, but really sitting down and taking the time to have empathy for yourself. Yeah. You have something like a mental illness or heartbreak even. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, I feel like this is so simple, but it's really not. But it also is. Whenever <laughs> I talk to a client about like, you know, anything that they're going through, if they're going through heartache, you know, needing some some self-love instead of self-abandonment, I go like, if this was, if you externalize your problem and it was your friend telling you all of this, what would you tell them? And it's like, hmm, you would be nice to your friend. You would be kind. You would give them soothing advice, not be like, you're a piece of shit for not doing anything today. You know, like we don't talk to ourselves the way we talk to our friends. What about, I was just watching this documentary called The Vow. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, I haven't heard of it. A sex cult in Los Angeles. (laughs) And the leader of the sex cult recently went to jail. Um, But the cult wasn't sold as a sex cult initially. Initially, it was was sold as like any other cult, a place where you can really gain a few things and- Gain a family. Yeah, gain a family and really some self-growth and empowerment and all of these things. And one thing that they mentioned that I really have been dwelling on is the idea of sickness being something that not only do you have to forgive yourself for having and be empathetic towards yourself and love yourself so that you can heal, but also that people use for attention. So where is the line? Because I'm assuming a lot of your friends, including myself, have maybe been at times being like, Summer, you're fine. Get over it. And we're not empathetic because they were scared that you were using it for attention or that you're using it for another thing. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way, right? Like just being like, the list is fucking endless. Like, you know, do I have a migraine today? Or, you know, do I have no energy? Like, it's just like, it's almost like juggling a bunch of balls and being like, well, if it's more than one, do I, which one do I share? And does it sound like I have an excuse every time? And is it even an excuse or do I even owe anyone that information? So much of what I've learned the last couple of years is like nobody is owed any information that comes back to the boundaries, right? Like content boundaries of like, I can cancel without explaining why I am the only person who needs to know why, you know, and if, if I get like the, it's not 411, what's the thing when someone questions you? I 
asking questions people. about like, well, why? Well, what's going on? Why can't you interrogate? make it? Right? Interrogate. Thank you. If someone interrogates you um, about canceling, then it's like, again, did I need to set those boundaries with this person to begin with? AKA they didn't need to know any of that information. Yeah. So no one's entitled to anything. I know that we've discussed some of these things before about how, you know, vulnerability and boundaries are really best friends. They go hand in hand. And you know, it makes me feel like there's there's a big difference between having a fear that you can't share your mental illness with anyone, that you feel too scared to be able to share with anyone because of fear of judgment, that you're crazy, that they're gonna not accept you. There's, there's a lot of that fear that we wanna overcome. We wanna be able to say, yes, these are my diagnoses. How brave are you, Summer, for coming on here and being able to list off all of the things that you have had to deal with in your life Thank you so much for being willing to share with us these things that are yours that you have to deal with that are vulnerable for you. Mm -hmm. um, so it does require a bravery and we have to get over a fear to be able to share those things with other people. Yeah. But then there's another side of the coin which is once you're brave enough to share, once you have the ability and the balls to say, these are the things that are wrong with me. This is what I cannot do today. This yeah. is where I'm feeling vulnerable. Where's the line where we don't actually have to share? And that's what you were just talking about. This concept of saying, I could share with you, but I don't have to. And do you deserve it? Do you yeah. deserve my vulnerability? Do you deserve all of these, these things that make me unique? Do you deserve yeah. for me to share them with you? Well, the funny thing is, and you talked about this last time about trust, right? Like, mm. like with empathy and sympathy, right? So to me, what I, when I really evaluated like fucking everything in my life three years ago, part of what I'm noticing is that I don't have to explain myself to anyone. I don't feel the need to justify anything because I trust the people that I'm, that I keep in my life and they trust me. So the, the short and sweet of it, if I'm just like, Hey, you know, can't come over today. Like, well, where am I going? But you know, like if I were to cancel on a friend, they don't, they don't ask. They just trust me to, to know, to take care of myself and you know, and for me, I try to give that same message out to my friends. You know, I had a friend cancel. <laughs> I'm 33 and I just started going to like warehouse parties last year, whatever. But like that aside, I had a friend who canceled the night before a warehouse party in Austin and was like, hey, you know, I think I might have food poisoning. Can we just like reevaluate tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I don't care. I care so much. Uh, and so, you know, the next day they, they were just like, yeah, I don't feel any better. I really do think I'm sick. And I was like, look, if you wanted to tell me that you would rather sit at home in your PJs or hang out with a friend from out of town or your wife or your partner or your kids or just fucking do nothing, all of those are just as valid to me. Like it's up to me to decide whether or not I still want to go without you. It's not on you. And if I choose to stay home, it's not on you. That's a decision I can make because I don't want anybody to push themselves to come out with me, even if they eventually enjoy themselves. But when it comes down to like picking one or the other and what was best for them in that moment was to not go with me, then I much rather have them pick that, yeah. you know, and like be disappointed, like I, any other feelings that could come up with it but it's not on them to take care of that. And it's on me to decide how I want to respond to it. And that's another thing with some mental illness is when people get so caught up 
with pleasing others. That might mm -hmm. be a, a portion of OCD in itself. When you're so caught up. Anxiety too. Anxiety, yeah. Mm -hmm. Saying, oh, well, I cannot disappoint anyone and I cannot let anyone down and I cannot blank. So instead you disappoint yourself and you let yourself down and then it breeds this illness that's inside of you. And I feel like there are so many people nowadays that, you know, my friend canceled on me and I got a guilt trip them. Yeah. I got to make them feel bad because I don't know if I should go to the warehouse party by myself now. So now I'm a little anxious and I'm a little yeah. nervous on what I should do. So instead of just sitting with that emotion and figuring out what I want to do on my own as an individual, yeah. I put that anxiety and stress back onto the other person. Like, Shame them, be angry that they do it all the time, that they're a flake, like stuff like that is just, I don't know, like it's, it's toxic for sure, but I don't feel like we've been raised to know anything different. Like we're so codependent, not just on our partners, but on our friends, on everybody, right? Like, yes. so- um, Substances. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I don't blame anyone for being that way. I feel like it's just one of those things that we have to unlearn to be able to get to that other side where we're like not making assumptions, not taking things personally, like being empathetic, no matter how inconvenient or disappointing it is, like that being such a big part of it. That really shows you when you're able to have those hard conversations and actually disappoint people and get through those uncomfortable moments, that really shows you who your support group really is, who your real friends really are. And yeah. over time, you kind of not weed out because it may be that this person's really great, but they're only a once a month person. Right, distance, like being able yeah. to decide who you wanna keep close and who you don't need to keep close. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean they, they can't be a best friend over your lifetime. If you talk right. to someone every two months, for the rest of your life. Still right? a great relationship, yeah. That's so meaningful. If you talk to someone even once a quarter, yeah, times a year, but for the rest of your life, yeah, the consistency and the commitment with that is so much more valuable, I think, than spending every day with someone for two years and then never talking to them again. Right, and like, and I think so much of that comes with how like what are our expectations of our friends? You know, there's a, a longtime friend of mine that I lived with once upon a time um, who was best friend attached at the hip. And they they let me down a lot by like not being there when it really counted. Like when my dog died, they went out with a friend instead. I was like, all right, cool. Like you would think that you would be here with me. Um, and that was your expectation and, of that person. Yeah, they said they were gonna be there with me. And then they ended up going out with another friend who was visiting um that night instead and and you know my other best friend who lives here in town um here my uh my other person uh you know her point was like you know the I know that that was disappointing but what if you just enjoyed what you had with this person and then just like let the rest go because it's either you keep that person in, in your life in some way and enjoy what you do have or you just threw away that friendship, but you also don't have to keep that friendship just because you've invested years of your life in it. Like it can, it can change. It's like Fluid. it's place in your life and what it does for you. And then you can still value it. And so that really meant a lot, like kind of like realizing that that was five years ago. And I like, you know, it's now become one of those friends that like we pick up where we leave off and everything's great. I probably haven't seen him in two, three years, you know, but like that doesn't bother me because it's just like whatever we're both able to do is yeah. like good enough. Those kinds of consistencies over time, I feel like are the most beneficial for me in regards to my own mental health. 
Mm -hmm. You know, me saying, okay, what do I do weekly? And who do I see weekly? What do I do every month? And who do I see every month? What do I do daily? Who do I see every day? Well, usually the only person I see every day is me. (laughs) Yeah. So it really kind of gives us some things to focus on. And when I was younger, I never understood like, you know, especially finances, like an I think about finances, quarterly taxes makes me have a panic attack. That phrase, immediately I have a panic attack. I'm uncomfortable. I'm overwhelmed. But when I think about, oh, what do I do four times a year for myself? Yeah. When I think about those things, like go to the ocean four times a year for yourself. They help me stay consistent. And whenever I have a moment where I'm feeling, even like today for you where we're feeling hella overwhelmed, super anxious. What is what is missing? Well, what haven't I done this month? What are yeah. those things that I stay consistent with that I haven't done? Yeah. Like, for you, it was being in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I've been gone for like a month and it's like, oh, for the last couple of weeks, I have felt like garbage. <laughs> what a connection. Right, and you usually get out in nature, go camping or hiking or something at least a couple times a month. I made a face at hiking only because I don't do things. I sit down outside. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, we, we should clear that up for anyone who knows me because they're like, no. So I wonder, you know, for our listeners, like what are those things that, that really make you feel good, that remind you how grounded you are, that connect you with the earth, that make you feel safe? And how often are you doing them? And are you making sure to do them when you forget to do them, Yeah. right? Yeah. And for some people, it's their weekly exercise. And for other people, it's going for a walk in the neighborhood once a month. You know, whatever it is for you, I don't think there's a wrong answer. And I think it changes also over time. Yeah, like like always doing your best. (laughs) Noise. Um, You know, trying your best uh, may only be once a week, you know, like just depending on your, like the level of fatigue we have right now, energy levels, winter is fucking here. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just, I think just being kind to yourself and kindness, empathy, boundaries, like these are all such big like words of last year that I want to bring into this year because kindness without boundaries is self-sabotage like all the things that we don't do for ourselves we're sabotaging ourselves so I've always talked about self-care as in like if you don't do self-care that's self-abandonment yeah I agree and going back to what we were saying about this living to work and working to live you know both of those feel so extreme to me working so that we can party and live hard and making sure that every day is living as work. We're productive. We're so successful. The only way these extremes actually feel good for me is that in the middle ground, I'm grounded. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I actually spend time doing these self-care, doing things during the week that are slow and that calm me. Taking time, like we talked about last time. (laughs) Um, Because it feels like a big big old rush, Um, especially with the new year. It's like a big old rush to improve yourself. I need to get my mental health in order. I need to get my physical shape in order. I need to... (laughs) Yeah, what are your resolutions? What are your goals? You're like, you know what? We're still like 10 months into a pandemic 
and nothing has changed but the calendar. Like, like the new month is up and it, it does not matter. Like There's just your... a new strain. Yeah. I've become full on Scrooge with holidays. I'm like, it is anticlimactic. It is not a new year. This is just a way to gauge. Like, I know I am becoming more and more like grumpy every day, but still embracing life and just trying to to enjoy the small things. I'm feeling yeah. that. And that's kind of what the holidays were for me. The small things for me were putting up, uh, I, I don't, I can't really turn this around, but putting up the <laughs> stockings on my fireplace that doesn't work. Oh, yeah. You know, like getting out a hammer and nails and figuring out how to nail something into the mantle place and going and buying, I live alone, going and buying myself a tree. decorating the tree it's for nobody it's It's for for you the most important somebody thank you (laughs) and that that was me taking it slow and for you it was going i don't need to put up all that stuff i actually (laughs) want to unpack my office and organize my kitchen yeah you know and taking it slow i built furniture for the first time in my life like what (laughs) there's yeah no doing stuff around the house that i've i've never done by myself because i always had a parent or a partner do it so it's been nice youtubing how to do shit like what's happening (laughs) what would you say the things that hurt your mental illness are because we've Mm. discussed all of these things about self-care taking time having patience and really spending time you know taking things slow and yeah but what's not that oh not watching the news uh which you know I didn't do for years until like 2015 campaign season right and then into 2016 and to 2017 when like the fire that was all of that like that election right like yeah yeah. um I never watched the news until then and then really fell in and then like dug myself back out and then fell in again this past year with the pandemic just like 24 7 and for me that's a lot of my like bureau of my OCD is just like the mental compulsion part of it which is like I need to know all the time I'm 100% you can't just watch the news once a week or every other week no and i would try right like i try to be mindful of it i was like i'm only gonna watch the daily show because at least trevor Noah's is hot you know like you know like i'm only gonna watch it in the morning for 15 minutes with coffee like i'm only gonna do it this time it just it never worked (laughs) like to me like sometimes that other extreme is what i absolutely need um like cold turkey style so i you know stopped watching the news i wasn't even on facebook prior to the pandemic I was off for six weeks and enjoying that like no social media life and like wasn't using Instagram all that much and then of course everything else COVID hit and then I was just like on my phone for fucking 10 hours a day and it's just like oh lord so putting a screen time um lock on my phone really helped I still ignore uh the message that comes up that's like you've already been on this app for way too long today (laughs) you know and I'm still like bypass but you know just being aware of the numbers and like how often I've been using helps me kind of recognize where I am in my day and then how I'm feeling as well just having today's the last day of my 11 day staycation and I have spent less time on my phone this entire time than I think like the whole last month or even last year good for you I mean the people that called me today saying man the past 
couple days have been really hard. Today's been really hard. They say the same thing. Everyone says the same thing. Social media, waking up and grabbing my phone, waking up and turning on the TV, right? Yeah. These screens, albeit they help us so much, they really hurt us. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're right. For me, it's the same way. Whenever I am the least productive and the least calm is when I'm scrolling or when I'm searching. Have you heard of doom scrolling? Like that's a term a client told me. Now I've been seeing it like in articles online. They're like, five ways to stop doom scrolling. I'm like, I'm still scrolling while I read this. <laughs> so yeah, but that's like falling down that like doom and gloom rabbit hole that is every fucking day on the news. Like well, what I've so. gotten from this I mean, we have a few diagnoses in common. I'm also uh, herpes positive. Uh, which <laughs> no raising the roofer. <laughs> but like everyone fucking does. So thank you for sharing that as well. Yeah, a lot of people actually have it. And so many, what, one out of three people? Uh Two out of three for HSV-1, one out of six for HSV-2 last I checked. But oh that's just the people who know. How many people right? don't fucking know? Yeah. And I I raised the roof to that because that, albeit it's one of the safer uh, diseases to have in regards to reproduction and all of those things. It's also a pain in the ass. It has the worst stigma. More than HIV, more than like chlamydia, like more than all this other stuff. Herpes has the worst stigma of them all and it's just it's all fear and that's where our mental illness gets Mm -hmm. triggered right whenever we feel shame and pain and Mm -hmm. guilt and anxiety isolating due, due to real illnesses that we have that other people are reacting to and it's just physically really damn painful So on top of all of that, I've got depression and I've experienced anxiety for the first time in my life this past year. I've never experienced it before. You're making that face because I've called you being like, I'm... I think I'm having anxiety. I've never had this. What is this like? Is this? And I'm like, I've had this half my life. So I'm holding space for you right now. (laughs) So what I feel like I've gotten from this is whether you have a list of 50 things or you have one or two. Nonetheless, we all, we both really connect on some of the same ways to cope and the Mm -hmm. same ways that hurt us from coping. Yeah. You know, it's really as, as different as we are. It's really an equal connected shareable thing that we have in regards to healing yeah I think it's been part of how we've been able to hold space for each other even more this past year as friends and like have more empathy like you've you finally understand what anxiety is like and there you know I don't wish that for you at all but having seen me like freak out for like our entire friendship slash half my life right like it's just it's a whole new level it is real empathy at that point where you're like oh I have been in those shoes I'm I can be there for you in this way that I've never been before now that I also experience it. Yeah, and my anxiety probably feels different than your anxiety, but I know how painful and scary mine can be, so I can't even imagine what it may be like for you, and that's the beauty of empathy. Um, I wish we could talk about that all day long, but we've got to run. Uh, Check out our next episode where we get into uh, a little bit of specificity when we talk about labels. That are not mental health. (laughs) (laughs) How labels affect our mental health um that being said thanks so much for listening you guys and we will be talking to you very soon be sure to check us out at your.radical.being on instagram and send us a message fiona renee and summer Porlacani signing off Ta-ta. Bye.